We've been kind of talking endlessly about the need for leaders to connect with their employees. And that culture is such an important part of being able to attract and retain employees. I'm really excited about our guest today, who is Michael Harden, co-founder of Juno Search Partners. She and her partner created this organization to be a really different kind of talent and staffing agency. Um, and we're going to hear from her about how this really is all about culture and the um, journey to be the ultimate connectors. Greetings. I'm Holly DePama. And I'm Margaret Urich. And, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot to get me excited. And I get excited for every guest that we have, but I am really excited about today um, because we have, you know, I think we have one of the just really amazing leaders in the Philadelphia area on our podcast today. Um, and it is Michael Harden, who is one of the co-founders of Juno uh, Search Partners, the ultimate connectors, which we're going to talk to her about. And, you know, it's uh, Juno is a women owned business. And I, I actually, I in preparing for this, I have a whole sheet of the awards. It's four years of Philly 100. It's five years of Inc. 5000, Soaring 76, two years in a row, and most recently, Best Places to Work in 2022 for the medium-sized firm category. Multiple HR People of the Year nominees. La, 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 la. I can keep going. Um, but um, so, yeah, we're going to talk to Michael about how she and her partner have built this amazing organization. Yeah, so... I have to say, Mike, oh, I just hit my microphone. Sorry about that. Um, so everything Holly just said is amazing. And, and if it was only that, I would still be have like still have been so thrilled to meet you today. But I've been working with MEA for over four years now. And I've been listening to Holly talk about Michael Harden for over four years now and just saying how amazing she is. So this is truly, I don't even know you and it's a real treat. I knew it was going to be a treat coming into this today. Um, and I know Holly did just go through a list of your accomplishments. And I know that you are aware that this podcast is for our HR community or for, I should say, the HR community. Um, so I'd like to ask you to share, like, think about your resume, think about everything that you've done and knowing our community, what do you think would be most impactful for them to hear about you? Well, I think that it would be very impactful for Holly to call my mother-in-law and tell her all <laughs> the things that she just, <laughs> Oh, I'm rolling in. <laughs> Put her number in chat. We'll take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's a great introduction. Um, so yeah, I mean, to Holly's point, we we started um, Juno in September of 2010, so just over 12 years ago. Uh, it's a particularly interesting time as uh, we have been acquired as of November 22. So we're um, less than three months into the acquisition and up to our eyeballs and you know, sort of all the integration and and learning a lot along the way. So interesting time for me, certainly, and a very interesting time in, in Juno's history. Um, that's exciting. And I will share that, um, I, as uh, Margaret said, I do know Michael. And I was introduced to Michael's partner in 2010, right when you guys started your business, um, as by someone whom you had placed um, and the, and this woman said to me, you just have to meet these two women. They are not like anybody else you've ever met. Um, and, you know, I spent a little period of my professional life working um, in a search firm. 
And I would go home. I would cry my whole way home. Um, but you know, it was, you know, I, it was like, pick up your phones, pick mm-hmm. up your phones. And it was a, a very, um, environment that was not one that I, I felt, um, uh, was a good one for me, nor was it one that I could be my authentic self. And I, I, I it is true that anywhere I've gone where there are Juno people, there is a discussion of how this is the best place I've ever worked and how I love this company more than anything. Um, and it's from new employees to long-term employees. Talk to us about the culture that you all have built. Um, and I, I can only assume, assume it's been intentional, but talk to us about that. Well, I think that, you know, the the thing that struck us when we were you know, sort of talking about what this could look like and how we could build it. And um, at the time I was at an executive search firm downtown, Vicky was um, with a temp staffing firm and um, no fault to to my firm. It was, I was placing high level accounting and finance folks. And that was kind of, I joined the firm just as the bottom was dropping out during the mortgage crisis so that was a particularly challenging time to be in in search and staffing, and um, you know, Vicky, it was in temp staffing, which is just a lot of sort of getting on an elevator and hitting every floor, and we sort of commiserated on on some of our experiences and um, how everybody seemed to be measuring the wrong things, right? Like I, so I, I spent time with two firms. One, one was a contingency agency and then one was an executive search firm. And the first experience I had was just, it was all volume and that's how they measured success, right? So we would literally, we had a counter on the phone and on the debt every morning I would walk in and there was yesterday's sort of numbers were on my desk. And it was it was made you feel a little bit like you were in elementary school, right? So if you missed eighty to one hundred calls, it was like circled in red, um, you know. And then of course you get you get a job, right? That's why you're making eighty to one hundred calls, and then and then it's a race to kind of throw. I'll, I'll, I'll use the phrase uh, throw paper at at people, right? So we need five candidates to this these guys by Friday. Okay, well, what if we don't have the right, you know? the right candidate. Um, so it was all about volume and speed and, you know, the, your competition was the person in the next kind of cube over, right? Because it, it, I was, I was at a cube farm basically. And so, you know, you could have 10 accounts that you were targeting. And, you know, I remember one of my, one of my friends and colleagues at the time got an account that I had listed as a target, you know, and she couldn't keep it. She had to pass it over. Well, I wasn't having any luck. She got it. That was still, that was the rules. So there were like very specific rules. And so what Vicki and I just started talking about is it's interesting that we're in the people business and we're never really talking about the people, right? Like on one side of the coin, you have a client, you know, a company who is in some sort of pain, right? Because they've got an open position. And so some work's not getting done and, or somebody's doing extra work. And, um, and then on the other side of the coin, you've got a candidate who, I mean, a job transition is, I think, one of the top five most stressful things you can do in life. And nobody's humanizing this process, right? Um, So that was the first thing we kind of talked about, we're going to focus on 
quality, not quantity. We're, we're not going to worry about how much and how many. And okay, if I can place one out of four jobs that I get, then I'm, you know, I can tracking all these metrics and numbers. Um, so I think that was kind of just the first, just she and I, you know, Vicki and I started um, Juno on a, on a very limited budget in our home offices. We actually didn't know each other very well. So we were getting to know each other's work styles and personalities and built building trust. But it was, we, we were definitely, we haven't been aligned on every single thing along the way, as you might imagine, but we were very, very aligned on, on, you know, the basics foundation of how we were going to, how we were going to build Juno. Oh, go ahead, Holly. No, I'll you, go. Go. you go. Oh, okay. Thank you. We're usually not this polite. Um, <laughs> so the the concept of quality over quantity, how did that then like show up in the culture that you started to create? I mean, obviously that was the basis of it, but where did that go? Do you think? Um, well, I mean, I think that, you know, has always translated down to our employees I and mean, we we've had, you know, we had the same mantra of how we were going to treat clients and candidates was how we were going to treat employees. Right. So, you know, our philosophy was uh, treat people really well. You know, you, you take care of people inside your, your walls and they're going to take care of you externally. And so, um, you know, the, the, the folks that we've hired along the way who have really embraced that and have embraced our philosophy of get out in the community, get to understand your vertical, get to understand your market, you know, become a known entity in, in kind of what you do, um, have have been wildly successful at Juno. And that certainly hasn't been everybody along the way. Um, not everybody has, you know, embraced our philosophy and, and approach. Um because it's not always easy, as as you know. I mean, first of all, business isn't always easy, and you know. Secondly, I think recruiting we're very tethered to the economy, so uh, can be can be a bumpy ride. But um, I think it's worked out pretty well. So one of the you just keyed in on something, um, which was it isn't an environment for everybody, right? So this is around um, you know connecting connecting not only with your um, client base, but your employees or, and not just your employees, but your candidates. Um, talk to me about a time that maybe someone was working for you who wasn't a great fit and um, how you figured it out. What was it that, you know, you sort of said, oh no, this is a potential challenge, um, but who was also producing. And how you handled it? Oh, geez, um, not well, probably. Uh, you know, some of my early lessons were always around this very topic. So I think, um, right? Mean, because, and I'm inter interrupting you, and I apologize, but it's that I'm used to. I'm used to it. I'm your friend. I know, but that's that's like the rub, right? Like, what? What? Uh, we. This is what our culture. This is what we're doing. We're starting a new business. We want to be different, but this person's producing, but doesn't embody our culture what do we do yeah right so that that's always been that's always been tough because it's kind of easy to you know we we have a we're in an industry that you can measure pretty easily right you can measure um at least success on paper really easily so um early ish on uh you know we we hired somebody who was 
uh, very quickly, it was it was obvious that we were not aligned on uh, philosophy on how we handle client relationships, what candidates mean, right? This individual was often like, I would get calls from candidates. So-and-so didn't spend a lot of time with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was really disappointed. Why didn't you spend time with this person? I don't have anything for her. Well, okay, but you know, she's in a job search and she's, you know, in transition. She's upset. We can, you know, we can spend some time talking to her and offer advice and, you know, who can we introduce? We're always thinking about, okay, if I don't have anything, who can I introduce you to? Who can I pay it forward? How can I sort of leave you better than, than, than you are currently? Um, and I also tolerated a lot of um, things that I would no longer tolerate, um, behaviors that I would no longer tolerate, challenges in a way that I would no longer tolerate. And and quite honestly, I think, you know, um, things that I should not have tolerated uh, in terms of this person's philosophy on big life things. So to be perfectly honest with you, I let it kind of go on too long, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this person was successful when confronted, would say the right things, and then quickly would go back into, um, you know, some poor behavior until finally uh, something was posted that was really terrible on, um, I don't know, Instagram or Facebook. And a couple people brought it to me. And that was just enough. That was just that day was it, right? That was the day. Um, yeah. So what'd you learn from that? Trust your gut. Doesn't get better, you know? It, no, that, that's that's often what we say. Because, you know, people still surprise you. We're, we're in this game of identifying talent, right? right? And then sometimes we hire somebody. We're like, shit, how did we not see <laughs> or did I see it and pretend I didn't right because I didn't I didn't want to right yeah because you wanted this person right whatever for whatever reason I think that happens a lot yeah I had a you know I had another experience where um I actually hired a really good friend for a big job and very quickly it was you know it, it and it eroded at the culture and you know again there there was no trust um, there was a lot of underperformance. There was issues with the client. There were issues with candidates. There were, and it's you know I really wanted it to work. Like emotionally, I really wanted it to work. And so you like put up with it for a long time. Yeah. So clearly, there's no foolproof way of making that hire, like making a perfect hire. But I would imagine over the years you you figured out how to do it better. So is there in your interviewing process something that you do? to try and help make sure that you're hiring for your culture? Is there a particular question you ask or, or something that you've adopted as just a practice to help make sure we're hiring for culture? That's a good question. I don't have like, oh, this is my interview question. Um, in really? fact, I don't, I don't have an, in- so here's something terrible. That, this is like, this is like not good advertising or branding for me so, so far. Um, I hate interviewing. Oh, stop. I do not like interviewing. This is fun. We're not interviewing. We're just chatting. 
No, 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 no. I think I don't she, like interviewing. Oh, you don't like interviewing people. Yes, 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 yes. Stop it. <laughs> I do Oops, not. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tend to be very conversational. You know, we, you know, there, there, there are certainly things that I, I remember early on. I used to love. Um, we used to say, "I gotta hire college athletes." You know, college athletes know how to how to take direction and be part of a team. And, you know, they understand what it means to win and they understand what it means to lose. And I have, I mean, recruiting is, is one of those fields where um, a lot of career uh, transition, like in pandemic, I think we've hired, I'm going to totally misquote this, but five teachers um, that were just like, I don't want to teach anymore. It, I mean, super organized, um, self-motivated, uh, killing it, doing just a great, I mean, just made a, a transition like that. Um, recent college grads, some who like just kill it. And then, and then some who, you know, really surprised me. So it, it is, tr- I think recruiting is tricky because in rare cases I've hired recruiters actually um at, at least on the agency side so for for context we were sort of i look at the our business as juno search partners and juno talent solutions and on the talent solutions they're talent consultants that are recruiters and ta- talent acquisition professionals and they're you know focused on clients and and dedicated to clients and of course they're you know have great backgrounds in talent acquisition but oftentimes on the agency side I don't like hiring recruiters, quite honestly. Yeah, I I I um I once worked with um a friend of mine who owns his own law firm and was uh I was helping him hire an executive assistant. And you know, an, an assistant for him, he said <clears throat> paralegal-ish assistant. He said, I don't want anybody from a law firm. I was like, Well, what do you want? <laughs> you know, and he said, I don't want to have to reteach somebody who learned it all wrong. Um, and he was a, you know, a, a, a solo practitioner and, um, and for sure we can learn some bad habits in certain places and it's hard to, it's hard to unlearn. Um, so, you know, I, I, you, you, um, you use the comment, pay it forward, which isn't necessarily something I have heard in the recruiting and staffing and talent business. Um, you know, and to me, knowing you, um, that's something that is really unique to you, to your environment and to, you know, partnering with your firm on a couple instances. Um, and, you know, sort of expand upon that comment a little bit. What do you, what do you, what does it mean to you to pay it forward and how do you pay it forward? Well, at the end of the day, and and one thing that we coach our, you know, our recruiters on, is um you know we we talk to everybody right like that that's another another thing that we know you wouldn't you wouldn't be allowed to be on the phone with a candidate too long if they weren't the right fit right you had to kind of get rid of them and then move on to the next quickly move on to the next call and so again we 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 sort of like what are we doing here right what are we doing and so we take the you know we've branded ourselves of course as the ultimate connectors and we take that very seriously and so we we take time with clients. I mean, we take time with clients to understand um, 
their company and their position and what they do and why it's critical and their leadership team. We understand if, if we're not the best firm, you know, to work with them on certain positions, we always try to find the best firm who is and, and make that connection and make that partnership. Um, you know, and similarly with, with candidates, I mean, my, um, my best placements I've never made a dime on, you know, because I think it's really important to just be an advocate for people, right? It's, it's hard enough. So you've got a candidate is in transition and well, we're going to quickly hang up on that person and not try to be helpful. That's, that, that's not helpful. And, you know, what we found is it always, it, you know, it always comes back. I have a, a story of somebody who, who actually became my good dear friend who is a, was a CHRO and um, the position was eliminated and and showed up in, in my office and started crying and like, oh my God, I, you know, I don't know why I'm crying. If somebody had done this to me, I would have thought like they were so unprofessional. And I mean, I just introduced her to so many people. I, I'm not networked at all. I don't know where to start. And I was very, um, she's taken me with her everywhere she's ever gone. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's what happens, right? People remember. Yeah. So I'm hearing a real strong, like people first mentality, like not that numbers aren't important, right. But really it's, it's people first all around for you and how you approach everything. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, So you've been in business for a while and, um, I'm sure there's a lot of lessons learned that we could talk to you about, but when it comes to the culture, is there something that, um, you know, looking back, you would do differently now, or is there like a big, uh, I guess, lesson learned when it comes to culture that you could share? Sure. Lots of things. Uh, You actually touched on one of them, which is an important thing to note. So I think sometimes, because we go on and on and on about, we don't track metrics and in that way, and we got relationships and it's about this and it's about that. And then what, and we have somebody who's underperforming, right? And in some cases, great for the culture, honestly, like really like fun, boisterous person to be around. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we do measure some things in terms of numbers because we're a business and that is how we stay in business. And so I think, um, you know, we've had trouble early on and, 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 and maybe even recently, if I'm being honest with, um, when we hold somebody accountable to things, it's, it's a shock, you know, but this is Juno. We don't do that. We're about the people. And, you know, I had a bad six months. <laughs> you know, that, well, it's half a year. That's a long time. <laughs> you know, so we do, I think we had, we, we sometimes have gotten, you know, so lost in, in the, in the, like, we're different and we're fun and we're cool and we're hip. And we have all these perks that, when, when there is, you know, you're actually held accountable to doing your job, it's caught people off guard sometimes. <laughs> um, so we talk all the time about the future of work, right. And what it's going to look like. And we're coming out. Um, you know, I still sometimes feel like we live in this dystopian society of, you know, of people getting sick and whatnot, but, uh, we are coming out of the 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 most recent challenges of our um economy and world 
Um, what do you, you know, give me your prediction, your crystal ball. What do you see as the future of work? Well, according to the New York Times this morning, we are not coming out of uh, any financial crisis anytime soon. Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, right. little stomach. <laughs> the, 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 the update was a little stomach wrenching, but um, yeah, I mean, good question. Uh, I, I, how, what, where are we in the uh, in the catchphrases right now? Quite quitting. It was on to something else, wasn't it? I don't know. It's hard to keep up with. Um, I I think it, it's funny. I was we were giving a presentation yesterday to um, the local regional NFP team. That's our acquiring company, and it was great. We had an, an opportunity to meet a lot of people within the region at their quarterly meeting. And um, Marie, who this is terrible. I'm not exactly sure what her title is, but let's call her the head of um, because she can she kind of is in, in this local region um, from like an administrative and operational standpoint. And she's phenomenal person. And her son, now I'll, I'll give a plug for what I just uh, talked about. So was in a job search and we introduced him to a few companies and he ended up getting a job. Not something we were working on, but just, you know, we we love Marie and, and her son's very talented. And he is, um, you know, he he is wanting a little more office time and a little, you know, people in the office. And, you know, she commented on other sort of younger who are starting to crave that. Um, and I think we're making a real mess by saying virtual forever. And that, you know, I think that's, there's such polarizing views on this right now. And that's certainly not like a blanket statement, but I don't know that offices are gone forever. And I really think certainly within Juno, I think the folks that have suffered are often the early career yep. who are not getting the benefit of working, you know, shoulder to shoulder with us. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, I don't think it, I don't think we'll, Certainly, Juno would never go back to five days in the office ever. I don't want that personally. And I, you're not going to pull an Elon Musk. No, but I do have an unpopular opinion, which is it's his company; he can do whatever he wants. Why do we give this guy so much airtime? <laughs> I am going to be the one. I'll tell you. I was. I said on LinkedIn when somebody complained about that, and they were like, "Oh, he's crazy." I said, "Look, I, I'm not a fan," but. When you look at a manufacturing environment, you look at an environment where people have to be in an office and you've got half of your people not going to work, that's a real challenge for any kind of culture to exist, right? And there's a, it becomes a real, you know, oh, you get to stay home. I don't, you get, to, you, la, la, la. and, and it's, it's a very hard challenge for, for businesses. Sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have lots of clients I'm sure you do too, who have been in the office the whole time. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. And I think a lot, I, I, I maintain that one of the reasons we did as well as we did throughout COVID is that we were a who had worked together for years, you know, in, in many cases for years and years and years. I mean, we, I could tell on Zoom immediately 
right? Yeah. If I didn't know that person, I wouldn't know. But I but I use this this very brief example of like the things that are sometimes missing. I was in the office with somebody a couple months ago, just passing in the kitchen, uh, ugh, you know, this client, blah, 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 blah. Um, just a passing comment, not not even looking for a solution. Me, why don't you try this? You know, and oh my gosh, they went for that. They're gonna go with that solution. That's great. You know, we're gonna we're talking it through. Can I pick your brain on this? And I think, you know, there's so much of that missing. Oh, yeah. And even missing for me, because I would, you know, I would listen to other people on calls and be like, oh, that's interesting. I, that's not how I you know, would have described that company, but that's interesting. Like, hey, look, talk to me more about that. You said this company is doing this and doing that. Like, I want to know more about that. And so I just, I think it's a mess. I think it's yeah, a mess. And you kind of mentioned the informal learning, right? Um, the opportunity to um, just through connecting, learn and being- Just to person. absorb it. Like is, just to is, hear it's, it. Yeah. Um, so, so future of work will hold some kind of in-person, um, uh, schedule, if you will. I your... hope so. Yeah. I, you know, I think one of the added complications again, and we're, we are not, we are not an exception, right? We've hired people within the pandemic. We hired people everywhere. So I've got talent consultants who can support clients. I've got, you know, so-and-so relocated with their fiance is moving to Texas. Okay. Um, the president of our search division, you know, in pandemic, it, it, she's been with us for almost 12 years, obviously phenomenal, like phenomenal um, person and, and phenomenal employee and, you know, very much important key member of our leadership team and moved to South Carolina, you know, in the Charlotte suburb. Um, and I'm very supportive of that. You know, she's, she's still the president of our search division. She flies up here, um, you know, a couple times a year, if not more. Um, so it's tricky, right? So it's, it's it's tricky to now say to local people, you've got to be in three days a week. Mm. Uh, but, you know, here, here are the carve outs because they're not within commutable distance. And you can't, you can no longer hold everybody to the same standard. I don't know. And, uh, you know, a small company is trying to figure, Comcast is trying to figure this out. Comcast pulled everybody back Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, similarly, they ha now have people that are not within, yep. you know, and they don't know what to do. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll, it, it's, it, this'll be an interesting couple of years. And I must say this all the time and I apologize, but I just wish I was in school and I could do research on this and what it's going to all turn out to be. And um yeah, I mean, it, we're in for um, some more surprises, I'm sure. Well, I think we've had to be so we've learned. Well, hopefully we've learned to be flexible. And I think that need to be flexible isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the other piece, and, and, <laughs> and Michael, you've talked about this since the beginning of this discussion is the trust piece right? The trust piece that I'm not making arbitrary decisions just because, right? It's trusting that I'm making, as a leader, I'm making the right decision. And if you haven't created your working relationship with your employees based on trust, 
we're, you're in trouble now. Yeah. And because you really are being held. And I think, um, you know, that's one of the things I admire about you and your, your leadership is it is all based on trust. Um, and, um, and I think that it, it is a mess, but organizations who have the foundation culture like yourself have much better chance of figuring it out than some others. I think we will. And I think, you know, one, one thing that always surprised me too, was this notion of fairness. Uh, I, I got to say that can that has come up more than what's well, not fair. Well, this person, you know, has, has gotten this and that's not fair. And this person's gotten that and that's not fair. This person has a, you know, that person's team was already developed. Why am I being measured in the same, you know, it's not fair. It's not fair. This makes me shudder. And, and I think we have to, right. Like there, you have two kids, life ain't fair. Yeah. Right, God, right, right, right. If I had a dollar for every time my dad said that to me growing up, I wouldn't need to work. <laughs> True. But I think in trying to figure this out, it, it is going to have to be like, well, it's not fair. So-and-so doesn't have to come in. All, yeah. Right. That might not feel fair. But here's why we feel like it's right. You know? Yep. So we could talk all day, clearly. Um, and you very briefly mentioned in the beginning a recent um, partnership and a sale of Juno. What? What's 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 the future hold? What's next? What is... What do we expect to hear from from you all? So yeah, so the acquisition has been um, has been some pretty big news, of course, for us. Uh, we grew the company. The, the COVID was a, a accelerate a time of accelerated growth. I think for a multitude of reasons, some of them external, some of them internal. So we launched a couple new divisions. One specifically was JTS Juno Talent Solutions, which is very RPO-ish. And in within pandemic, we landed this monster account to staff COVID-19 hotspot field hospitals and ICU. They were taking shipping containers and turning them into ICU rooms and the parking lots. And we became a staffing engine behind a, a particular company who was getting all those government contracts. And it was really interesting work. So that was like that ball just kept rolling and companies were calling daily. I need to hire back, you know, 15 people. How do I do it? How can you help me? Um, and then search really picked up like crazy. And then we rolled out an executive search division. So, um, you know, I think a reaction to the market and I think some, some ways that we were diversifying really um, played play to our favor. So we went from 18 employees to 85 and we've landed somewhere back in the, in the kind of high sixties. And, you know, the phone was ringing. It was a very strong, you know, M&A market, um, a lot of investment dollars. So, and over the years we've, we've taken calls, you know, let's merge, we'd be so much better together, you know, private investor, I'm a private investor, VC, you know, private equity money and nothing ever felt quite right. And we were down a path with another company is, is the true transparent story. So they were UK based looking to kind of expand um, in the US and they were really bullish on us. And we um, got it as far as an LOI letter of intent. Uh, and I was casually talking about this with my very good friend, Rich, who is the local sort of managing partner for NFP. So he, you know, he kind of said, we're, we've been very acquisitive. And I always thought this could be a strong, such a strong partnership for us. 
to have you guys and build out HR shared services. And, you know, we've got employee benefits and risk management and um, PNC and 401k administration and HR consulting. And wouldn't it be cool to have search and staffing um, and for us to be able to sort of partner and work together. And, you know, I won't bore you with all the twists and turns of conversations over the course of 10 months, but it ended in us agreeing. And, you know, we're, we're super excited because we, um, this gives us a national platform to, to, to grow Juno. This gives us other things to talk about and other value, you know, value adds for our clients, for their clients. And so, you know, there we're maintaining Juno brand and marketing and, you know, sitting within NFP. And just so far I said yesterday, as I, as I was, um, uh, presenting to their local team, you know, it feels like home. And I'm, and I mean that sincerely, like it just, there, there's no like, oh gosh, was this the right thing? They're changing us. It's like, nope, we're home. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So is that, I, I, like I said, I could talk all day, Michael, thank you so much for your time. And, um, you know, the humanize the process is my takeaway and pay it forward. And, you know, we really thank you. I, um, you know, I wish you all the success at, at your, uh, in your next stages with Juno and the firm and, um, and look forward to talking with you again. Thank you both. This was fun. Great meeting you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks Bye. so much. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth. If you need support around people issues, reach out to meainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.